2: Welcome into the DMVR Draft Pod. My name is Jake Schwanitz. Joining me today, Henry Chisholm. Um, it's a two maner today. We got to make do with uh, just a chart, tra- chatting draft ourselves, Henry.
0: Uh, first off, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. Um, honestly, I love the two man podcast. Like, in terms of just like in a vacuum, what's the most fun? I think it goes two man's the best, then three, then four, then one. And I do a lot of one man podcasts and like two is just the sweet spot because you don't have to like stream a consciousness all the way through you also like you you don't leave with like a bunch of things in the back of your head where it's like i really want to say that just wasn't time so i'm kind of hyped for this obviously like miss dre and justin but i don't know and june is for bullshitting on this (laughs) podcast and i i'm pretty hyped to get a bunch of bullshitting in
2: There you go. Um, We actually have a pretty cool podcast, I think. We're going to talk about 2016 uh, draft class for the Broncos. Of course, that's the year Paxton Lynch was taken in the first round, but also some other interesting players, Justin Simmons, Will Parks. Mm -hmm. After that, we got an interview with Cody Rourke, and then we'll get into some Bradley Chubb talk towards the end there. Let's start off with the 2016 draft class, though, Henry. Um, Let's start off right at the top. I mean, Paxton Lynch, of course, The leading selection for the Broncos here took them 26 overall. Um, Pretty sure a series of trades got them back there, if I remember correctly. Uh, Obviously a big bust, but let's just talk about potential guys that could have been taken with that selection. Uh, Who would you have taken to kind of help the Broncos defend their Lombardi entering the next season?
0: That's a a tough question. I remember, so let's see, I I was a freshman in college. For this draft. So I remember sitting in my dorm watching. And and I remember specifically, I, sp- I sent a text to my dad right when the Broncos got on the clock. And it just said, not Paxton, not Paxton, not Paxton. I think I just wrote it like 50 times. And what they do, they took Paxton Lynch. <laughs> um, so I'm going to claim that as a victory for me, even though it turned out to be just like, a a terrible point in my life like that next you saw (laughs) Um, but yeah in terms of what you do instead honestly when you look back that's a tough question because the answer is you take a quarterback but like which which quarterback is that I mean next up after him was Christian Hackenberg Jacoby Brissett Cody Kessler Connor Cook I guess Dak but that's a fourth round pick so how upset can you really be that they don't make that pick um, you know, I don't know. Maybe this is a, a too big of a thought for this point in the podcast, but John Elway rightfully gets a lot of hate for this class because there were a lot of things that didn't pan out. But he got hung out to drive with Brock not returning phone calls and just deciding to yep. leave and, and leaving them without a quarterback and kind of tying their hands because there really was one prospect right here where he was a quarterback you could take at this point. Um, so that'll be the one nice thing we say about John Elway today. But I I struggle with what I would do, um, with this pick. Uh, what what do you think?
2: Well, I mean, there's I mean, you can literally go
0: almost any direction with it.
2: Yeah, which makes it interesting. I mean, if if you really want to get into it, you could have taken Derrick Henry at the mm-hmm. first with your first round pick at twenty six. Um, and you get way more value with him, even oh. though he's a running back. Out of what you got out of Paxton Lynch. Uh, other possibilities, Chris Jones, defensive tackle, who ended up going to Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can snack him, kind of you know, level out that dynamic. The Chiefs don't get him, the Broncos get him instead. I remember Dre said he really liked Chris Jones coming out. Xavier uh, Howard's there, Hunter Henry, mm-hmm. um, Jalen Smith kind of fell down a bit, Deion Jones. So, I mean, it's not exactly the greatest when it comes to value um, in terms of actual value at 26 overall. Um, But I mean, if I had to pick, I guess I'd say Zavian Howard, maybe Chris Jones. I think that's where you got to lean. Um, I don't know. I mean, we could go back into the fourth, fifth, sixth rounds, like you said, and just take an absolute stud. But given the actual value, looking at the board here, it'd be Chris Jones or Zavian Howard.
0: Yeah. And, you know, you do have like Derek Henry at 45, Michael Thomas at 47. Those are two that you like throw out there. Even like Emmanuel Agba, he was what, the first or last pick? No first pick of the second round. Um, mm-hmm. You know that there were some good players there, uh, some really good players. I mean, Chris Jones is incredible. Kenny Clark is incredible. But you still look through all these picks and say it feels like one in three were hits, and and two in three are like maybe not starters, but close to being starters. Maybe starters for bad teams or good backups on other teams. And so it is kind of a pretty ugly section of of. The draft class, or it's like Noah Spence, Miles Jack, um, Jalen Smith, Kevin Dodd, Jermaine Fetty is solid. Never mind. Uh, Robert Kimdichie, <laughs> Joshua Garrett. Like, There's a... It, it, those aren't great names there at the end of the first. And I think in looking back, you, there's nothing that you can say about the Pax and Lynch pick that that's positive, but there were a lot of other bad picks around there.
2: Right. Uh, I actually want to go back to the quarterback here. Let's talk about Obviously, Dak Prescott would be the ideal pick
0: mm-hmm. if they
2: were to take a quarterback, but we don't live in an ideal world. So I'm going to throw this at you. Other than Paxton Lynch, who do you think would have given the Broncos the most success besides Paxton Lynch or Dak if they took him at 26? Any of mm-hmm. them. So real quick for the listeners, the options are Hackenberg, Brissett, Kessler, Connor Cook, Cardale Jones. You can get on the Cardale <laughs> Jones train. Kevin Hogan, Nate Sudfeld, Jake Rudock. Brandon Allen or Jeff Driscoll. Those are your options, bud. You got to pick one.
0: That's tough. I guess we should say Jared Goff, this is the draft. He was number one. Wentz is number two. There's no way you're moving up to go get those guys. If that's on somebody's mind, like be aggressive, get the guy. Um (laughs) I think it's Brissett.
2: I think it is.
0: (laughs) I think it's I think it's definitely Brissett just because he's had staying power. And again, like he's he's on that Trevor Simeon level, right? Mm -hmm. Where very 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 different players but in terms of just like the quality overall it's about the same and what did he do so as a rookie which he probably would have started as a rookie that'd be the expectation and 62 percent completions only played a couple of games 400 yards um he was one and one no touchdowns no interceptions uh from there i mean he's four and 11 the next year with indy and i don't remember who was on that indianapolis team but less than 60% completion. I, that's a <laughs> th- things would have been uglier there than I, mean, who did they start that year? That that was the Simeon year, right?
2: 2016.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That was the, uh, yeah. <laughs> so you're probably better off just playing Simeon than any of these guys. Oh,
2: no, straight up. I mean, I agree. I think that, uh, in a uh, alternate universe, if the Broncos did pick another quarterback at 26 in 2016, they don't, stray too far from the current timeline. They'll, they'll need no. a quarterback again very soon. Um, maybe it still takes eight years and they end up with Russell Wilson at the end of the day. But uh, yeah, I agree. Let's move on a bit into the draft. Obviously, the best pick of the class, though, for the Broncos would be in the third round, 98th overall, our guy Justin Simmons. Um, I feel like he comes up quite a bit when we have these discussions talking about value and just old Broncos draft classes just because he was such an awesome pick. Um, honestly, pretty much in the running for one of the best third round picks in that draft. Um, of course, another few notable guys, you know, Yannick and Gawkway, uh, Kenyon Drake has stuck around Austin Hooper stuck around a little bit. Um, but really that's about it. I mean, again, the CJ Procise, Jacob, Jacoby Brissett, uh, those are your third round picks. So my question to you, did the Broncos make the best pick out of anyone in the third round? Uh, is there anyone else you could pick out here? Kend- Kendall Fuller is there. Um anyone there that you would take
0: over Justin Simmons in the third? I mean, I think it's Justin Simmons pretty easily. Um, with the number two being uh, maybe Ngakwe. But again, he isn't that like premier level of edge rusher. He's like a tier two type of guy. Um, mm-hmm. The crazy thing is, I mean, Justin Simmons was also the last third round pick. Like it's not like he was an early one. <laughs> that was like a, a comp pick that they got. Um, Kendall Fuller, I guess would probably be the other one that's in consideration, but I mean, they're, they're both DBs and one is pretty clearly better than the other.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. And even though he's a safety, which you'd say maybe has less value than the corner. I mean, the value has just been tremendous for Justin Simmons, uh, all pro level. I mean, you really can't find that anywhere else in the third round in this class. Uh, where else do you want to go in this class though? How, how else do you want to look at it? I mean, we can go very different ways. Uh, A lot of things have changed since 2016. Uh, The Broncos drafted Gotsis at 63. Another project, kind of one of those Elway second round project picks. Uh, They even ended up picking a punter. I know we've dogged on guys for picking punters. Uh, So which way do you want to go here?
0: I can't talk about punters right now. Um, (laughs) I think, you know, there's that thing that we do. When when we talk about draft classes where it's like, yeah, this is a this is a C grade draft class. The values just didn't quite line up. But if you take that third round pick and make him a first round pick and bump everything down, like then what does it look like? And so I think it'd be kind of fun to do something like that with this class and say, like, OK, so obviously, if you're just putting these guys in order of their actual value, Justin Simmons is your first round pick. Um who is the number two guy from this class, though? Paxton, Adam Gotsis, Devontae Booker, Connor McGovern, Will Parks, Jano, Riley Dixon.
2: Oh man. Um honestly, I think I I think I would go Connor McGovern. Um still a starting player for the Jets. Mm-hmm. Uh really kind of came on late for the Broncos. I don't think he started at center until you know his third or fourth year on his rookie contract. It was right towards the end. Um, I mean, he wasn't fantastic. He wasn't great. Uh, The Broncos obviously let him go for a reason. But just in terms of value, I think that has to be the second best best value in this class. I think so, too.
0: You know, and I I also considered, honestly, like, Jano, (laughs) just just because he's (laughs) actually, like, a really good fullback, but he's a fullback. And so even if it's a, a pretty average lineman versus Kyle Juszczyk, like, you're still probably thinking pretty hard about it. So it can't be Jano. And I think Will Parks is the other guy who's actually a real football player. And, you know, we talked about this a little bit beforehand, but he's one of those guys where it's like, he's just like a, a C plus football player. And so he lingers around, he's going to rotate in. Like you don't necessarily want to see him on the field, but there's a lot of worse options if you get hit by an injury than Will Parks. And so I think he's probably number three, right?
2: Yeah, it's got to be between Parks or Gotsis, I think. Uh Gotsis, of yeah. course didn't really come on till late in his career. Um but Parks was just solid. I mean, I mean as you mentioned, <laughs> C+ football player. He wasn't going to blow you away with how he played, but uh I seem to just remember Bill Parks especially on special teams, uh third down plays just in coverage. Uh the guy just made good football plays, smart sound football plays. Um as you said a decent player. I guess I would place him over Gotsis just because of the impact of that and just how long it kind of took Gatsas to get going. I mean, he didn't really play much that first year because of coming off that ACL coming into the league, Um, but only ends up with five sacks on the Broncos. So yeah, I think Will Parks definitely has to go ahead of him.
0: I think so too. And then probably Jano after him or maybe Devontae Booker. Like again, Uh, if we're talking about Will Parks (laughs) that way, I mean, Devontae Booker is a good special teamer. He's a pretty weak running back too. If you're playing by committee, But he's a good running back three, and and if if you have like a a a Zeke or a Jonathan Taylor and Devontae Booker's your number two, it's like yeah, yeah, I mean that's just that's fine. Give him his three carries a game, like that's a again like a solid football player, even if he's not like a a very good running back. You know, yeah, he has his value.
2: What does it say about Devontae Booker's Broncos career? The fact that we're talking Janovich over a fullback over the running back <laughs> in terms of value. What does that say?
0: Yeah, that's not great. That's real, that's really not great. I wonder what Jano's <laughs> making these days. He might actually like I'm curious. Browns football
2: back? player, correct? He's on yeah. the Cleveland Browns. Yeah.
0: He'll make yeah. 1.4 this year. Or no, that was last year. Solid. Well, I guess
2: fullbacks got to pay get paid too. I mean, Riley Dixon, I mean, we should mention we they did take the punter. <laughs> I know I think you're one of the guys who hates the punters, right? The punter draft picks? yep. Um, but Riley Dixon, not a terrible punter, actually, I thought was a decent punter for the Broncos, mm-hmm. has still lingered around the league. I know he played for the Giants for a little bit. Um he is on the Los Angeles Rams now, so he has a chance to defend a Super Bowl, another Super Bowl to defend. But um any thoughts on Randy Dixon, Henry?
0: Uh, I I wonder whether he would have been drafted if he wasn't the like the punter who is also an athlete, like the punter right. who could throw a football and stuff. Because if you're if that actually factored in, if you if you're actually like drafting a punter because he has whatever fake ability, I mean come on, what are we doing here? Congrats on like the once a season that you might actually try it. And even then your odds go from like 45% of success to like 55%. So I don't know. I mean, it just feels like punters grow on trees. Like you can find a punter anywhere.
2: (laughs) I agree. I agree. All right. Let's put a bow on our 2016 retrospective here. Give me a grade, Henry. Henry. An old-fashioned draft grade on the 2016 Broncos <sighs> class in retrospective. Now you have the complete yep. picture. You get a complete grade here.
0: We'll give it. No, uh, I just that Justin Simmons pick. You try to figure out what that's worth because again, it's like he's it your first-round pick. Connor McGovern's yeah. your second-round pick. You got Will Parks in there. And Will Parks is a third rounder. Like that's a little disappointing, but it's not. The end of the world. It could be quite a bit worse. this is your fourth. I mean, again, he's rotational defensive lineman. He can start for the Jags. Like, eh, yeah. It, <laughs> it looks worse because your first two picks were really disappointing. But right. I think it might only be like a, a C minus.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say it's probably around the C area for me. I mean, you yeah. do get an All Pro player, Justin Simmons. Um, you get a starting center at least towards the end of the rookie contract in McGovern, uh, Gotsis, again, kind of came on late in his Broncos career too. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you're not getting impact players, you know, you're not getting five starters out of this. Um, but I think the roster aside from Paxton Lynch, of course, got better, uh, from this draft class, at least at the time, um, you know, Paxton Lynch, of course, being the big cloud hanging over this class. Um, but you know, you factor in what if they did take a Chris Jones? What if they did take a Xavier Howard? Um, how quick, how high of a rise are we talking here? We're going from C to I don't B, B plus maybe.
0: Yeah, probably. And then what does that do for the Broncos? Like it's it's weird to think about, but even if they take Chris Jones over Paxton Lynch, I don't think we see a difference. And in, in terms of the level of success, like they probably win another game here or there at some point, but I don't think that it's enough to get into the playoffs. Even I mean, they were really close a couple times, but I still just don't think that it, it, it moves the needle enough. Derek Henry might Michael Thomas also, maybe
2: possibly um, it, the, all interesting to talk about, you know, I mean, another interesting factor, I think with Chris Jones, especially the Broncos, Another big story of that offseason was Malik Jackson, right? His contract. Mm-hmm. Um, so you lose Malik Jackson, you replace him with Chris Jones. Um, you kind of feel, obviously, quarterback was the biggest need of the roster at the time. But other than that, you really do kind of feel your biggest need taking Chris Jones because the defensive line was not up to 2015 caliber in 2016, of course. Um, Vaughn got the big deal. But you know, losing guys like Malik Jackson, uh, Sean Phillips back in those days, those were kind of the those key role player guys played a huge role and drafting Chris Jones just fills that need immediately. You don't have to kind of wait around for Draymond Jones to come in uh, for your DJ Jones to get signed. Um, So you do kind of fix that position right away and in a way, help out the roster for the long term If it is Chris Jones. Um, So you have that, any other wrapping up thoughts here you have Henry
0: though, I will add at the same time, like that 2016 team, Defense was fourth in the league in yards allowed per game, fourth in points allowed per game. So I don't like, yeah, the defense would be better with Chris Jones, but like is, is going from fourth to third going to be enough to actually get you into the playoffs. And it might, but that's where I think like you just added Derek Henry. I think your odds of success are, are probably better. Um, but maybe like 2017, 2018, Because, again, he's a rookie, so it's not like that's that big of an impact early on. Maybe down the line, Mm -hmm. that does play out a little bit differently. Like, do you even get Shelby Harris at that point? Like, does Shelby Harris become a dude? Who knows?
2: Yeah, interesting. Uh, Interesting to also think back, too. I mean, Derrick Henry was splitting splitting carries a lot with uh, DeMarco Murray at the time um, when he went to Tennessee after that. So, yeah, I mean, you wouldn't be getting the the King Henry Mm -hmm. immediately, but... um, you know, maybe not in 2016, it doesn't help because, you know, you're still kind of figuring things out after Peyton, but you know, that 2017 year when it was, they were really struggling offensively. I think Derrick Henry could have came in and played a big role. So that's interesting to think about. Um, You have a word from our sponsors.
0: I do. And also last word for me, that 2016 team, you can you guess who the leading rusher was?
2: Oh man. Um, I have memories of Justin Forsett running pretty decently on that team. Um, man, who would it have been, though? Because it wouldn't have been Monte Ball. There's no way it was him. Mm-mm. Was it Ronnie Hillman?
0: It was Devontae Booker as a rookie. <laughs> no, 174 <laughs> carries, 612 yards, four touchdowns. Second was CJ Anderson. He only played seven games. Though, uh, CJ, how could I forget? Yep, but, wow. uh, <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a group that could have used a little bit of an improvement in hindsight. Um, <laughs> no joke. Real quick, the presenting sponsor of this podcast, DraftKings. Uh, they're a lot of fun. US opens today. Um, I actually, I screwed something up when I was making some baseball bets, not because I actually bet on baseball, but because I went to a Rockies game because <laughs> it was sunny. Um, I was like, well, I'm not going to sit here and watch baseball for three hours without some money on the game. I might fall asleep. Um, but uh, I screwed something up and clicked a button at the wrong time. Wound up using uh, uh, this promotion. They had it's same game parlay. If you miss Uh, If it doesn't hit, you get your money back in the form of a free bet up to $10. And I realized I screwed things up. So I just put $1 down, wound up with a $1 free bet. So I put that $1 free bet on Justin Thomas to come back from seven shots away from the lead today. See if I can turn that $1 free bet into 250 bucks. It's a long shot, but it makes like the beginning of the masters a little bit more fun before I get to my real bet, Rory. And uh, I'm pretty fired up. If any of you want to sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook, use the code DMVR because you can bet $5 on either NHL team to win their next game. You'll get $100 in free bets immediately. Obviously, if you do that, you choose the Avalanche because they're the best team that's ever existed and uh, then you get that money instantly. So you can use those bets on the same game if you want. You can bet on other things, whatever. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DMVR. And new customers can bet $5 on either NHL team to win their game, get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code DMVR at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the Stanley Cup Final. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Also, Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, There's still potentially time to get in on the promotion they have going. The way it works is like this. So you go to their website, breckbrew.com. You nominate somebody in the community, a community superstar, somebody who is awesome, maybe like a firefighter or something, or um, somebody who like mows everybody's lawn in the neighborhood or like shovels their sidewalks doesn't make people like somebody who does something go. that's good for everybody and is also an avs fan and they'll pick a couple of people to get two tickets, a bunch of gear, two free beers to a Stanley Cup final game. Now, if the avs win the next two there isn't going to be another one in Denver, so this might not apply anymore, but try your best, see what happens um cuz who knows, maybe they'll come back. Also, until the end of this cup run a portion of all sales of the Avalanche Amber Ale will be donated to help victims of the fires in Boulder. So we'd, we'd love buying those right now too. And also they are reimbursing people who buy an Avalanche. Uh, I think it's if they score a goal. Um, oh, it's not in the ad read. I wasn't supposed to say that on here maybe. Um, but yeah. Uh-huh. Oh no, it's two. It's two. <laughs> if they score two goals in the first period, You get a free beer. So on game days, you go get an avalanche amber ale at any bar, any restaurant, whatever. Save your receipt. If they score two goals or more in the first period that day, um, you can just upload your receipt to their website and they'll send you a rebate. Cool stuff. Cool company. Drink Breckenridge beers.
2: Shout out Breckenridge Brewing. Shout out to our presenting sponsor in DraftKings Sportsbook. All right, so I'm going to throw it to our interview with Cody Rourke here. It was a lot of fun talking to him. Uh, We got into this Broncos draft class, of course, and then we kind of got into some uh, deeper Broncos roster topics towards the end. Uh, Without further ado, here he is, Cody Rourke. Joining me now on the DMVR Draft Pod, you know him from being on plenty of other DMVR uh, events before. I think this has to be your first time on the Draft Pod though, right? Uh, you know him from Mile High Sports and Locked Broncos, Cody Roark. Welcome to the show, man.
1: Yeah, man. This is my first time being here. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate all that you guys do over there at the NVR. A lot of great content uh, across all sports, too. I mean, really all Colorado sports, which is great. So uh, excited to be here, my man.
2: Again, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, I know you've been really busy this summer already, um, but let's look back and talk at the draft. Uh, a bit of an interesting draft in multiple aspects. Uh, we'll split it up like this. So we'll talk day two first. Uh, Nick Benito. Uh, he's coming in. Obviously, the Broncos needed some edge help. How, how much can we expect from Nick Benito right away? And uh, maybe where can we see him at the end of the season here?
1: Well, you know, I think for Benito, it's very interesting where the Broncos are currently at right now with their edge rusher group. I mean, the projected starters week one are expected to be Randy Gregory and Bradley Chubb. And then behind them, you have the rotation there. But Nathaniel Hack, Broncos new head coach, has alluded to the fact that they could be looking at sending pass rushes in waves, which has me kind of ironically enough going back to 2015. When I look at what the Broncos did with Wade Phillips, they had Von Miller, DeMarcus Ware. Those are the primary rushers. But then their second wave of guys was Shaquille Barrett and Shane Ray, both guys have on the field at the same exact time together, barring an injury to one of those other guys. So for me, it's hard to imagine, you know, for a zero ever running, you know, a defense where he's had experience coaching with Wade Phillips. I imagine we're going to see those two guys, uh, obviously, with uh, Gregory and Chubb. But I think that we're going to see Bonito and Barron Browning with that second unit together because it offers a lot of flash. It offers a lot of speed. You know, I look at Chubb and I look at Gregory as more of the power rushers here for the Broncos. And I look at these guys as your speed edge rushers. Uh, So I think that's really if I had to project today, maybe how Nick Bonito is going to fit into the fray here at edge rusher. I think that he and Browning are going to be on the field at the same time together in various packages this upcoming season.
2: I love that you already brought up Baron Browning uh, recently wrote an article mentioning that Browning and uh, Benito really kind of have a similar skill set um, and playing them interchangeably like that. And just looking at Benito's draft profile, how he's so smooth in coverage, how he's uh, athletic enough to kind of move in space like that, it really makes sense when you kind of pair them together. Um, so I can you who would you bet on Benito or Browning to make the most impact uh, year one on the edge?
1: Well, that's tough to say. Uh, you know, I think um, I. it's hard to project because Benito obviously being drafted where he was drafted, the Broncos believe they got a really good value in a player there. But for Browning, I think what we saw from him last year intangible wise, especially at the inside backer position, we saw just how quick he is, his first step there. And, and all offseason long, some of the talk about Browning has been his ridiculous bend off the end uh, of the line of scrimmage to be able to get behind tackles. part of me thinks that I wouldn't be surprised if Browning is the guy that has the most impact between the two at first. But I think that Benito for a rookie, you know, the expectations aren't extremely high for him because obviously being a second round pick back end rounds, round two, I I think that his expectations will grow as he gets more experience and more playing time, which I think is something to monitor this offseason for the Broncos defensively.
2: Absolutely. The Baron Browning storyline is going to be huge, not only through the summer, but through the season. Uh, Let's move on to Dulcich though. I know Albert O is on the roster, and obviously they wouldn't feel confident in him uh, trading away Noah Fan if they didn't think that. But is it fair to think that Dulcich can potentially be the tight end one by the season's end?
1: I think there's a real possibility. And so far, some of the reports out of OTAs has been that Dulcich has been getting a lot of looks, a lot of effective, meaningful reps uh, with the first team offense at times between he and Albert O. Oh. And I think a lot of it's going to depend. How often is Nathaniel Hackett going to utilize 12 personnel or even 13 personnel, especially with the you know bringing back of Eric Saber. The Broncos had some success running the ball last year, especially when they're out of 13 personnel. But uh, you know, I think for Dulcich, the thing that I think is hard to ignore for him is just How elusive he is. He understands how to attack windows. And especially when you're playing a defense that's playing zone defense. He understands if he's going to run a snag route or if he's going to run a drag, he's going to understand how to attack the angle, you know, just below the safety and also above the inside linebacker or a nickel defender to where he could find a soft spot if he has to sit, especially with Russell Wilson's mobility that he has. A lot of people have tried to make the comparison to Travis Kelsey. I wouldn't say like, play, like they're like their similar body or player size, but I think the way that they play the game, the way that how smart Dulcich is in that regard, being able to beat man coverage, I think he will give you some of the problems that Travis Kelsey has given a lot of teams in the NFL.
2: It's huge to say. I mean, the tight end room was looking pretty rough. Obviously, you trade every fan. But now you bring in Dulcich, a guy who I was very excited about when they brought in, so it's just awesome to see. Uh, I'm going to kind of throw it to you here. Where do you want to go? Day three, guys. Who intrigued you the most day three um, of the Broncos selections this year?
1: Well, you know, for me, I'm, I am I might be a little biased here. I'm a defensive back guy, Jake. Uh, you know, for me, Damari Mathis is an interesting day three pick here for the Broncos. And the reason I say that is for where the Broncos are at, obviously the offseason, they bring in Kwan Williams. To, ideally, if the Broncos ever play nickel, he's going to be the starting slot and the nickel uh, uh, personnel package there. But for like Demari Mathis, I think that his primary role so far for the Broncos this upcoming season he's going to be in line to compete for that dime slot position, the other slot position opposite of K-1 when the Broncos go to their dime package. And the rumor is, is that Denver is looking to go with a little bit more of an even front, uh, especially out of their dime package. So you're going to have four down linemen, whether those outside guys are outside backers or defensive ends, everything's interchangeable. One inside linebacker and six defensive backs is something that they're looking to really replicate a lot of their success. And those slot and those nickel guys are dime in the dime package, those guys are expected also to also be very good run defenders as well. So Kwan Williams, we know, is very good at playing the run. If Damari Mathis can come onto the field and training camp and in preseason, if he gets reps there rather than just the outside corner spot where they have Michael Ogimudia, Part of me wonders if they're going to look at maybe playing Mathis a little bit inside the slot in the nickel. They believe that he fits the mold there. He's got the size to be able to play there effectively. Now, how good is he as a tackler at the NFL level? That's going to be something that they look to monitor there. Or could it even be Caden Stearns? But for me, Damari Mathis intrigues me. And, and a lot of the background, too, is the what the Broncos wanted to look for with a lot of their players that they drafted. They wanted to see how NFL ready they were. So they looked at a lot of systems. Like you look at uh, Pitt, for example, they run an NFL style defense. You look at even Fion Hicks, the seventh round pick out of Wisconsin, Jim Lender runs an NFL style defense. So they're very, they come into it being kind of pro-ready. A lot of the terminology, a lot of the concepts that the you know, NFL teams are going to use. So Damari Mathis, in my opinion, is going to be one of those guys to watch. I know an under-the-radar guy would be Yomu Wazirike, but the reality of the situation is the Broncos right now are very deep on the defensive line. You have Draymond Jones, DJ Jones coming over from San Francisco. You have Mike Purcell, who's fully healthy right now, which is a very good thing and a very good uh, you know news for the Broncos defense line. Those three guys right there are stout against the run, which if they can stay healthy, you know, it's going to be very hard for a guy like Yomu Wazariki to get consistent reps on the field, I think, his rookie season. But you never know. You're always an injury away from maybe seeing one of those guys having to step up a little bit earlier than expected.
2: Exactly. Uh, we'll get to Wazariki in a bit. I'd love to talk about him some more. But on this secondary, it's... I'd say a little bit of a strange group, right? I mean, you have Pat Sertan, obviously the young buck, who's probably going to end up entering the conversation, the best in the league at some point. And then you got some of the older guys and Kareem Jackson, uh, Justin Simmons, Ronald Darby, Kewan Williams. But then after that, it's a crop of really young and inexperienced guys. You mentioned the three guys that were drafted this year, uh, Michael O'Jamudi, of course, Caden Stearns, Jamar Johnson. The, how much? How confident are the Broncos in the the youth of this secondary? Because... Really, after the starters, you're really just throwing in some young dudes in there.
1: Well, you know, I think when we look at safety, I think that's a big reason why they brought back Kareem Jackson on a one-year deal. A lot of people are like, okay, hey, after this year, the Broncos are going to just move Caden Stearns to that spot and allow him to be the guy. I still don't think that's the case right now. And, and there's no rush necessarily right away to throw in a fifth-round player to start for you in his second season. The Broncos still have time, and that's what George Payton has wanted to do. And that's why he went out in, in round number five again this year with DeLarry and Turner-Yale. He went out there and he got another guy in the fifth round at the safety position. Denver has a lot of options. There's going to be a lot of competition. I think when you look at safety, obviously, I think they're going to carry five total guys on the active roster, plus you know, maybe one or two guys on the practice squad. And I think you factor in with how much we're going to see heavy DB personnel this upcoming season. You need as many guys as you can. I remember going to training camp in 2018 when Tremaine Brock was on the mm-hmm. roster for the Broncos. I remember going to that practice and seeing how many DBs Denver had. They didn't have a lot. Like their cornerback group was decimated by injuries. They yes. they only had like five or six guys there, which was really odd during training camp to see five or six corners total. Um, so I think for them, they, they have guys that can play. Like, for example, you mentioned Caden Stearns. You mentioned Jamar Johnson. Some of these guys may be asked to play inside the slot. Some of them may be asked to play corner a little bit. I mean, we're not even far removed from a few years ago when the Broncos DBs were so decimated. Justin Simmons was playing cornerback in one yeah. game at one point. So I, I think that George Payton likes to have a lot of options here. And I think that you're probably going to see Simmons, Kareem Jackson on the back end, Sertan, Darby as your main key starters there, K-1 inside the nickel. And then your dime is really kind of wide open right now for the other slot position. But then, you know, a guy like Michael Lajamudi has been making so many plays so far throughout OT. He's been talked about a lot by players, by coaches, by other media members. And I think a lot of people have forgotten about Michael Ojemudia just because he missed the majority of last season with that injury he suffered in the preseason. And then his regular season finale against the Chiefs, he looked really well. I believe it was 11 total tackles, if I'm not mistaken, solo tackles. And then he also had two passes defense. He almost had a couple interceptions. So, you know, for him, he's got the ability to play. And I think that he's also going to be in line for that dime slot position as well.
2: Of the second year guys, you already, or I guess Michael alvaj is a third year guy, um, but as you mentioned, he was hurt, but of Jamar Johnson and Caden Stearns, which of them would you put your money on breaking out this year? And you already mentioned, you know, you could throw them in the nickel potentially at safety too. So there's obviously places for them to fit in, but who would you bet on?
1: I mean, I would say right now the favorite would probably be Caden Stearns because he got more playing time last season as a rookie. And when he was on the field last year for the Broncos, he, he did pretty well. He was very impressive. His production, gosh, I think it was against the Baltimore Ravens. He only had a, several snaps, but with those snaps, I believe he had a sack. I believe he had a forced fumble, if I'm not mistaken, or a fumble recovery. He was just all over the place last year. When he was in, he was good. But I, I think for Jamar Johnson, there's a lot of questions. You know, Can he make the splash? Can he be a key guy? And he's going to be a special teams guy first, key guy on special teams before he really gets a serious look at safety because the Broncos are also rotating in P.J. Locke right now, who's a third-year safety, uh, you know, with the team that came over in 2019 off the practice squad late in the season. And then from that point forward, it was really just one of those guys that kind of rotated in. But now P.J. Locke has become one of the key captain-like guys on the special team side of the ball for Denver. So there's going to be competition to really uproot him. And he's probably that favorite right now to be that third safety. Caden Stern's probably to be the favorite to be that, that fourth option there. So a lot of options here for Denver, which look, this is a good problem to have, Jake, for the Broncos right. and a brand new coaching staff. It'd be a little bit of a concern if they were limited, if they didn't have as many guys, uh, you know, coming into their first year as coaches with the organization.
2: Let's go back to the big guy, Wazurike. Um, You know, I'm not going to lie. When they drafted him, I was surprised simply because I didn't know the name. Uh, but after digging into the name after the draft and just watching him play at Iowa State, uh, you know, they kind of run that unique three, three stack defense and he's just sitting in the middle, you know, he's two gapping a lot. Um, and weirdly enough for a fourth round prospect, he has a wide variety of pass rush tools already. Um, is he going to be able to make that impact as a pass rusher already? I know you said he might not see the field uh, early on this season as a rookie, yeah. but can as a pass rusher, is there something there right now?
1: I, you know, I think there's, there's anchor points. Like he's very strong and he's also pretty athletic for a guy, his size. And I think one thing that we've heard George Payton talk about, especially with a lot of the Broncos defensive line guys, there seems to be a little bit of a a mold between them, like guys who are sizable, but can move really, really quickly. Guys like Mike Purcell can do that. Draymond is a great example of that. I mean, even look at DJ Jones for, you know, as big as he is, he's an anchor there, but if he gets across the face of a center really quickly, you know, it's game over in the backfield there inside that a gap, but for you It's kind of like the same thing. He's very under the radar in a sense. And I'm not saying that he's going to be the replacement to like what Shelby Harris was for this Broncos team, but he has the opportunity, I think, to really fill in and be a nice rotational guy. I think a guy who can provide very solid production here for the Broncos defensive line unit, especially because you look at guys like DJ Jones, you look at Mike Purcell, you're probably not going to have them be three down guys. On a big time drive, like you're going to rotate a lot of those guys in, I, and I think that's a really tough task here for Marcus Dixon being a first year defensive line coach here for the Broncos, just trying to figure out what the flow of making sure you have the right personnel on the field. Obviously, Bill Kolar still around to be able to help with that there. But Wazarrique is one of those guys that can line up anywhere. Not just you know as a five tech, he can line up in a four eye, he can line up in a three, he can line up in a two eye, he can line up in a one if you need him to. You can do stunts with him. That's where I think the Broncos can have a lot of value there. And I think for him, as he gets more accustomed to the speed of the NFL game, I think he's going to be one of those fun players to watch in the preseason. And I think he'll be a you know one of those guys that's going to surprise in the regular season when he does get in.
2: We can only hope, man. Uh, we can only hope. Let's shift gears to the offense, though. Um, a lot of intrigue, I feel like, around this offense. Do you have any insight? How will uh, Hackett and Justin Allen coming from Green Bay and that kind of uh, Shanahan uh, Lafleur system. How does that mesh with the the Russ offense? You know, the heavy play action, just the deep shots. Um, can you give us any insight on that?
1: Well, you know, one thing that Tim Patrick had said in OTAs this offseason was that really, this is an offense that hasn't been seen before because it's one of one. It's combining what Russ really likes as a passer with concepts from Nathaniel Hackett's offense. Uh, But I think the the thing Nathaniel Hackett kind of, I think, gave it away during mandatory minicamp. He said something along the lines of, especially with like your run action that you're going to get, especially with the outside zone, even on Pass plays, the offensive line is going to step down and step wide on a certain play and then have to reset here. And he said you can do that, you know, on the you know, on the boot on the run, and you can also do that where you do the same exact thing, but you stand in the pocket and throw there. I think a lot of that misdirection is going to be set up based on the Broncos' run game here. And I think with both Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon back here, you have two really good backs who I think can contribute at a high level. I think the bigger question is going to be, what is the finalized offensive line going to look like? There's a various competitions going on right now. Dalton Reiser is in competition right now with Natani Muti. There's a rumored center position here with Graham Glasgow, who just returned from his injuries, wrapping things up with Lloyd Cushenberry, who's entering a very pivotal year in his career, Right guard, the belief right now inside the building is that Quinn Miners has that right guard spot on lock with the team. And then right tackle is kind of up in the air right now. There's Calvin Anderson. There's Tom Compton who came over from the 49ers. And there's also Billy Turner coming over from the Packers. And I think a lot of people right now view the favorite as Billy Turner because of the fact that he's worked with Justin Outen and Hackett before. But Calvin Anderson is also making a very, very strong case because he's he's been participating for the most part. Uh, there was a time where he sat out two weeks because he broke his nose during OTAs he had to come back after an operation after he was cleared and he started getting those uh, the reps at the right tackle spot but Billy Turner has not been there for organized team activities he's back at mandatory mini camp but Calvin's got the rep advantage right now but could the experience factor of Billy Turner Outweigh that. Denver views Calvin Anderson very, very highly. They view him as a guy who can start at right tackle, but also be the backup to Garrett Bulls because right now there's really nobody else that can step up at left tackle if Bulls were to go down. So uh, Calvin is a a lock in my opinion for this roster, regardless.
2: All right let's let's have some fun here. Um, I think one of the most intriguing parts of uh, not only this offseason and this upcoming season, but just the development of this team is seeing. How this wide receiver core has grown, you know, a couple of years ago, they were just hurting for any type of impact from the wide receiver room, especially when Sutton went down. Now you're loaded. You got Sutton, Patrick, Jerry, Judy, Hamler. Who do you think will be Russ's guy? Who will emerge as Russ's guy in 2022?
1: It's really tough to say because when you factor in what the Broncos have really good, uh, I'd say, personality traits, positional traits at wide receiver, you look at Tim Patrick, great. Deep ball threat for you, Corlin Sutton. Great deep ball threat for you, Tim Patrick. Very good intermediate, middle of the field type threat for you. Corlin Sutton is coming back off that ACL. Obviously, I think a whole year removed from it. I think he's feeling better coming into this year. And then you have Jerry Judy, who's just so good at getting open. The question is, can he? You know, can he avoid? the drops. You know, last year he only had one drop total. So I think that when I've been building up and talking about these players this offseason, I always get comments or tweets from people, "Well, he's got he drops the ball too much." I'm like, "Yeah, you know what? He had his, a lot of drops his rookie season. Those were concentration drops. Those are fixable." I said, "But last year, you know, despite the fact he missed 7, 8 games last year, he still only had one drop total in the season. That was, you know, on a comeback route against the Las Vegas Raiders. Drew Lock threw a really good ball which, you know, you don't get, you know, nobody says that too often. Jerry just dropped that one against the Raiders on the road there. So Jerry has made those strides. And unfortunately, the Broncos offense really failed to utilize him last season. It was almost criminal, in my opinion, what Pat Shurmur did to the Broncos offense. But then again, I don't think that's going to be the case here. I think Russ is going to have a variety guys. And Jake, don't be surprised. This is my opinion here. I think that you could literally go into week to week and you could have a different wide receiver one, a different top guy for Russ, you know, based on the matchup, based on who they play. But there's also another guy. You mentioned the four guys, Timmy P, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy. You mentioned KJ Hamler. Kendall Hinton is also a guy that Russell Wilson has so much praise at so far this offseason. And I think that we saw bits and pieces with Kendall last year. I mean, he mentioned the skinny post against the Cowboys, 44 yard catch and run, got it down to the one yard line. But also, Kendall is still growing as a a receiver. I mean, he's just only a couple years removed from actually playing quarterback at Wake Forest and then having to step up for the Broncos against the Saints in a game that, you know, obviously was just a a big joke, a big display of that right there. But we don't have to go there. But he's, he's been a guy that has created a lot of separation. He's been a guy that Russ has specifically mentioned. And I think that if Russell Wilson honestly continues to love Kendall Hinton, I think that Kendall Hinton is going to be a roster lock because which GM or core or head coach is going to say, Hey, you know, we're going to cut this guy. We know you like him. I think Russ is going to say, coach, this is a guy that look, he may not get five targets a game. He may not even get three targets a game, but there will be times where we need to call on Kendall and he's going to come up big and he's proven to do that already. I think he's going to be that fifth option there at the wide receiver position this season.
2: I love to hear that. I think I could speak for almost everyone in Broncos country. We're all rooting for Kendall Hinton, especially (laughs) after that criminal start. Uh, I want to go back to Jerry Judy real quick though. Like you said about the drops. Um, I feel like Broncos fans kind of give us unfair rep at times. I feel like DT kind of had that a lot during his career too with the drops. Yep. Um, obviously, they're extremely talented receivers. Uh, I don't want to just harp on their talent here, but uh, I think Jer- Jerry Judy's pretty prime for a breakout here, not only uh, on the Broncos, but in terms of I mean, you look at Justin Jefferson, his uh, classmates in the draft, CD Lamb. Uh, those guys have really exploded. It's kind of time for Jerry Judy, man. He's a Bolitnikov winner, was the best uh, wide receiver at Alabama when they were absolutely loaded. Um, he just, it's time for him. And with someone like Russ, I could not be more excited about his, uh, you know, future production. Um, and real quick on Tim Patrick, I've seen a lot of hype, a lot of hype from players and just media included on Tim Patrick. It seems like Russell really likes him. Um, I think if I had to bet though, that I would go with Tim Patrick as being Russ's guy just because. I don't know. I, I've just seen too much buzz around it, man. Is, is,
1: am I yeah. wrong for buying into that buzz? No, not at all. Tim Patrick has been the most consistent wide receiver. The Broncos have had since 2018, since he came in and it's really crazy to think about. I believe there were 60% of his catches move the chains for a first down. So he's a big time playmaker. There are 11 touchdowns in two seasons for Timmy P. I mean, the, the proof is in the pudding. He's kind of the most quarterback-proof wide receiver, I think, that the Broncos have had because of the fact his production, despite all the changes at quarterback since 2018, he's been the constant, I think, for this Broncos football team. And I'll tell you what, Tim Patrick got the, the rightful contract extension he deserved. But I think when you see some of the other contracts that some of these receivers got in the offseason, it's like, wow, the Broncos really got two really good receivers mm-hmm. at tremendous value here. And, you know, you're kind of glad you got those guys signed because – who knows, the price tag going into the next offseason would have been absolutely ridiculous uh, if the Broncos wanted to retain a guy like Patrick or even Sutton.
2: And We've talked about it plenty of times. The Broncos may be setting themselves up. Uh, you know, you look at how A.J. Brown was dealt, how uh, Marquise Brown was dealt. You know, wouldn't it be surprising to maybe see. I mean, this wide receiver room got really loaded really quickly. Uh, may not be surprising to see one of those guys go for future compensation, especially after the rush trade. Back to defense, though, so real quick. How quickly does PS2 enter the conversation as the best cornerback in football?
1: He's not too far away when you look at some of the advanced metrics about the, you know, completion percentage against him, quarterback rating when targeted. I mean, for Patrick Mahomes and all the matchups that they had this season, two matchups that they had, Patrick Mahomes had a 61.4 quarterback rating when targeting Patrick Sertan. And and Patrick Sertan was covering Tyreek Hill for the most part in that first matchup. Uh, so you like that. I mean, I think what we saw from him, especially against guys like Jamar Chase, who just exploded last season, we talked about the explosion of Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase literally the NFL World on fire last year as a rookie wide receiver. Uh, for him to hold him to one catch on three target, uh, on four targets for just three yards that's pretty special. I mean, technically, I mean, he's, in my opinion, I don't want to say, I don't want this to come across as a hot take, but I, I watch a lot of defensive backs. I'm a DB guy through and through. I love studying that. That's the position I played and coached. So for me, it's like, when I look at these other DBs, Jalen Ramsey, I think you can say best cornerback right now in the NFL. I think Jair Alexander, when healthy, I think could be that number two, has an option to be the number one guy potentially. I think Patrick Sertan is not too far off. I know a lot of people are talking about AJ Terrell with the Atlanta Falcons. Can he do what he did last year again? like his rise and his growth from uh, obviously from year 1 to year 2 was fantastic. Loved what AJ Terrell did in Atlanta. What's he going to be like this season? I think the same questions here for PS2. The expectations as a first round cornerback picked in the top 10. It was a move that nobody in Broncos country had expected and so for that there was a lot of pressure that came with that. And I tell you what from week 1, week 2 right away we saw like PS2 was No stranger to that. And the ability for him to attack the football, he's so disciplined with his click and close, being able to get in phase and understanding how to attack the routes of the wide receiver, especially at the top of their stem. He's so dang good. And he puts it into his film study all throughout the week to be able to identify down and distance splits. Ah, He is a special player. He's ahead of his time, Jake, in my opinion. I think it's not very long. We could see it this year. We could see it next year where he is in that conversation as one of the top cornerbacks in the league maybe if not the best
2: all right cody gut reaction does bradley chubb make the roster or is he re-signed or is he a bronco in 2023 we'll put it that way
1: uh you know that's tough i i think a lot of it is contingent upon the factor that's really been putting the biggest question over him and i think that's health and and, you know for him and i've always tried to tell this with broncos fans too jake the thing with bradley chubb is i think we all forget sometimes how good he was his rookie season 12 sacks almost broke the rookie sack record and then he tears his acl like he got off to a really hot start in 2019 it didn't show up in the and the statistical side in terms of sacks but his disruption through the first four weeks was there then he tore his acl and still caused havoc against the jaguars before after the game the adrenaline wears off and he gets the test it says oh shoot my acl's torn surgery That kind of impacted things. And then just really, I think a lot of people forget coming back from an ACL injury, everyone likes to look at Adrian Peterson as the hierarchy, like, hey, everyone's going to come back like AP. AP was a freak when that happened. So for Chubb coming into 2020, he got off to a little bit of a slow start because he's still trying to get comfortable with getting his plant foot underneath him, making sure that his first step, he's not second guessing it because if you've ever torn your ACL and you've been an athlete, you've played football, you always understand like you're always worried about your cuts. You're worried about planting your foot in the ground, putting too much force into it because that's how you hyperextend it sometimes. So for him, he was able to shake that off midway through the season. It was that Thursday night game against the Jets. That's where he started to get his swagger back. And then he had a dominant, I'd say, Season the rest of the way in 2020 before suffering the ankle injury at the end of that season. And then realizing coming into the training camp, he's like, shoot, this doesn't feel good. Like there's something wrong with my foot. They did testing. He had a bone spur that had grew. They had to remove that surgically. So that impacted him. Tried to come back and give it a go week two, re aggravated it there, uh, had to have another bone spur removed from his ankle, and then came back later on the season. And then as we saw, fully healthy once again, did not show up in the sack production list because stats, I think, are are, one way you can look at it. I think it misses a lot of context. He was disruptive in those final games of the regular season that he was in there, and he had this mentality to him. like He was trying to piss missile everybody, like just bulldoze people. He had a little chip on his shoulder there. So if Chubb can stay healthy, which right now he fully is, I think that he'll play himself in a new contract extension. I don't think it's going to break the bank for the Broncos because the trend is, Health? Can he stay healthy? They're going to find a way to pay him. But then again, it's like George Payton is also not a stranger to shelling out money to an edge rusher that has not appeared in as many games as he's been in the NFL, and that's Randy Gregory. So I think that Chubb is in line. He has a really good season this year. I think he'll be back in Denver. Uh,
2: Yeah, back to that Jacksonville game. Insane what he did on the torn ACL in that game. Uh, You've torn your ACL before, right? I think uh, twice. Yeah, I've done the same. So I think we both know exactly how challenging that could be. Um, final question, man. Appreciate your time. We'll get you out of here on this predict to me, what position the Broncos go in the 2023 NFL draft first pick. I think they're looking at a second round pick again. They obviously don't have the first from the rush trade. Um, who are they taking? What position at least?
1: That's tough. Okay. So I'm trying to think what positions did George Payton address this year that he kind of addressed before they ever became a position of need. Safety's not in the books right now for me. Could be uh, could be inside linebacker. Could be what Broncos f- country was hoping for this year, especially because, look, Jonas Griffith signed his restricted free agent tender. He's back. He's expected to be the starter next to Josie Jewell. You brought back Jewell on a two-year deal. But I think the Broncos are really going to look at maybe the NFL draft at a guy that if Jonas Griffith doesn't have the season they think that he can, I think they go inside linebacker to help solidify that piece next to Josie.
2: Cody Rourke, appreciate you, man. First time on the DNBR Draft Pod, hopefully not the last. Uh, I know you've been off to a busy summer, man, but we hope to see you again here soon.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jake. I appreciate you.
2: Thank you to Cody for joining us. I really enjoyed talking to him and some really nice insights on the draft class. Also on the Broncos offense, what would it will look like in this very exciting new season with Russell Wilson at the helm. Uh, but I want to go back to something that we talked about at the end there, Henry, Uh, about Bradley Chubb obviously a big year for him entering a contract year um, I think it's fair to say he hasn't quite lived up to expectations and of course as Cody mentioned health has been the biggest issue and maybe why he won't get that contract extension but let's talk about it what exactly does Bradley Chubb have to do to earn an extension from the Broncos
0: this next season it's a tough question um I think there's just so many things that play um that i mean there it's possible there isn't even a path right just because the broncos have so many options because he already does have this injury history where they just say you know what you're going to be making 20 million dollars a year you're going to get this big deal there's too much risk involved for us we already have baron browning who we think is better outside than he was it inside we have nick Benito, we have randy gregory signed up we have so many options we have Jonathan Cooper back there. We can add another guy in the draft if we still don't think it's enough. Malik Reed is around. It's. Uh, I, I think a lot of it doesn't even have to do with how Bradley Chubb performs. I honestly think the best chance for him to come back might be not playing all that well, like <laughs> a situation where you, you can just say, you know what, you're you're only going to get eight million dollars. We'll give you that for a year and see if you break out. Um, so it's it's tough to say. Um, I think because they can still tag him, right. Cause he's on the fifth year option now. And so maybe I, I guess the best path for him to come back probably is a big year. And then they give him that franchise tag because it's only a one year commitment. And then if, if he has injury issues, then you're off him after that. So I do think a big year, you know, say 13 sacks, 16 tackles for loss, something like that franchise tag him. I think that that'd be almost a done deal.
2: You know, it's interesting what you brought up about how him having a bad season actually may be the worst thing for him, because if you do have that bad year and the Broncos can kind of get him on the cheap, it does kind of give him a chance to reinstate his value. Whereas, you know, coming out of this season, let's say he only has uh, five, six sacks and he only plays 12 games for the Broncos this year, right? Um, you know, there's, there's a definite possibility he could go out on the open market and, uh, you know, I don't know who's a, who's a team off the top of your head here, Indianapolis, Jaguars. say they Jaguars, say they throw them a boatload of money. Right. Um, I mean, that could definitely happen, but there's also another timeline, I guess, where Chubb could be thrown, as you've mentioned that one year, kind of eight to $10 million deal, um, basically approve it deal. And then just say, look, man, we gave Randy Gregory, you know, what was it? 69, 70 million guaranteed last off season. If that's what you want um, you know, kind of prove it again, because uh, it's a very crowded edge room in Denver. As you mentioned, with Baron Browning, Nick Benito, Randy Gregory. If you're able to, if you're Bradley Chubb and you're able to kind of emerge out of that group and really kind of headline in terms of sacks, though, um, that's going to be quite
0: the impressive feat. And I think that would actually
2: go under a pretty healthy deal.
0: And I do think that a healthy Bradley Chubb is, in my opinion, the second best player on this defense. And And it's tough to even... In my opinion, I mean, Randy Gregory, I guess, could do it. Um, Pat Sertan, if he has a breakout year, but Bradley Chubb is more proven than I think he gets credit for. And you forget that in that, I mean, it's been kind of this four-year swing so far, but in that rookie year, 12 sacks, 14 tackles for loss as a rookie. Those are massive numbers. That's like 14th in the league and 13th. But in most years, that's closer to fifth than seventh. Second year, obviously, you have the ACL. But then in the 3rd year, after the 3rd year he was named a starter for the Pro Bowl. There's only one other player on the Broncos defense who's been to a Pro Bowl and that was Justin Simmons who came off the bench once. So you look at like just the accolades on this defense, Bradley Chubb outside the all-pros for Justin Simmons, that's why he gets the edge. Bradley Chubb is right there. After that after uh, sorry, after that 2020 season, he was on that NFL top 100 list as the number 40 player in the NFL in 2021. And then he got hurt again. And so I do think that because of the injuries, people do forget just how dominant he has been. And that's why like if he is himself, and that's the other thing is like last year, he played whatever four games, seven games, whatever it was. um, And, and I don't think got a single sack. That's ugly. But also when you're dealing with a, a lower body injury as an edge rusher, like I, I can kind of throw that one out. The thing is so far we've seen it's 50, 50. He's going to be healthy. And I think that that means it's 50, 50. He's going to be one of the three best players on this Broncos defense.
2: Yeah, I hear you. Um, I want to go back though, kind of on that. I want to go back to when Bradley Chubb was coming out um, because I think this is where a lot of Broncos fans kind of see the conflict with Bradley Chubb, mm-hmm. um, you know, coming out in 2018, they took him fifth overall there was a lot of talk about Bradley Chubb potentially being the best player in the draft that year. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there was a lot of excitement that Denver got the best player in the draft that fell to five. Obviously after the rookie year, things were looking great. As you mentioned, 12 sacks as a rookie, uh, nearly broke the rookie sack record. And then it just, you know, that unfortunate injury um, in that Jags game in 2019, where he was actually playing through the torn ACL, didn't know he had it torn until after. Um, So I understand that, it might be, I don't know, what's the word, underwhelming at the least mm-hmm. that Bradley Chubb has only given you this much so far. And many Bronco fans expected him to come in and really sort of be the, you know, after Vaughn, anchor the defense for the Broncos for the next, you know, five, ten years. And we haven't exactly seen that. Um, and then just, you know, add in this offseason with Randy Gregory being brought in, uh, they draft Nick Benito with their first draft pick. It's not exactly a vote of confidence for Bradley Chubb. Um, so I could see why some Bronco fans, maybe, I don't want to say sour, um, but, you know, just kind of look back at that pick. And of course you can look at the quarterbacks that were taken after, but just, you look back at that pick and just think that you should have gotten more production on the field than what you have. And I get it, but, uh, a very good football player, any closing thoughts before we get out of here on Bradley Chubb and his future though, Henry,
0: I think that having Von Miller here for so long makes it tough for him. I mean, because you, I mean, Von Miller is one of the three best edge rushers of all time. And I, I, I'd have him at number two. Like that man is just a freak. And I I went back and watched some of those guys, um, just from last year. What was I looking at? Oh, I I started with that giants game. I just decided I'd go through the season. You see Vaughn out there and it's like, yeah, people want to say Vaughn wasn't all that good with the Broncos. It's like he was on, on pace for like I think 13 sacks with the Broncos last year before they traded him. More tackles for loss than that. Like he was on pace to easily be a top five edge rusher, and he he still was treated as though he was playing poorly. And he did like fall off in the second half of the the time that he played with the Broncos. But still, like that's the rate that the pace for that whole stretch that he was with the Broncos. And, and just having him around, putting up the numbers he put up. I mean, for Bradley Chubb being a power rusher who's probably better in the run game than than as a pass rusher. Know 12 sacks as a rookie. I mean, there were seven guys in the NFL in 2020 who had more more sacks than 12. Like that still is a very elite group. It's just that you look at those guys and say, Well, why isn't it 15? Like Bond Bond puts up 15, like 16. And so I think because of that, that's one of those factors that it's it's tougher to appreciate. And I think in the same way that John Elway has kind of made it hard for quarterbacks in Denver, the standards are just so high. I think Von Miller did the exact same thing for edge rushers, which isn't a bad thing.
2: True. And, uh, you know, great, great point, actually, because, you know, you... Well the the saying I've always heard is you don't want to be the guy that replaces the guy. You want to be the no. guy that replaces the guy that replaces the guy, right? Exactly. So in that situation, um you know, it that was kind of unfair I guess to kind of place those expectations on Chubb. Uh, you have Von Miller, this generational edge rusher, <laughs> and you're instantly you comparing go be him. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> you no, no
2: <laughs> So yeah, a, a little unfair and you know that might be why Nick Benito is kind of seen in a different way, obviously um, taken way later in the draft. So that plays a huge role, but just, I feel like the expectations for Benito coming in are a lot more tempered. Um, a lot of people are, you know, I think a lot of people realize that this is a player that's going to take some time to develop. Uh, you know, he may have some sack numbers he's a complete player. He's not quite there. Mm-hmm. Whereas Chubb kind of came in as the complete player that just mm-hmm. didn't really have as much top end pass rushing, pass rushing ability. Um, but on that, we're going to get out of here. Uh, great talking Broncos special shout out to Cody. Again, thanks for coming on Uh shout out to draft Kings, our presenting sponsor. We'll be back next week with another awesome show. I'm sure we'll talk something Broncos draft related again, um, but until then, thanks guys. Take care.